Hey guys, welcome to Selfie. Well, today um, Matthias and I are still on hiatus, but we are bringing you an interview I did with Tiffany Reese. If you have not heard, I hope you will take the time to listen to this one. It is a really good one. If you're not familiar with Tiffany Reese, um, she and I have been friends for a very long time because she was um, a blogger with me back in the day. Um, she then went on to start a podcast called Something Was Wrong. If you've not listened, it's an incredible podcast in which she really highlights the voices of abuse survivors and does a lot of psychoeducation on violence, coercion, gaslighting, things like that. She also has two books. Um, one of them is a journal for, um, it's called Everything Sucks, a gratitude journal for people who've been through some shit. And then the other one is Strong Women Rising. She is a powerhouse. Um, she is truly a person that I really look up to. And in this interview, we talk about people pleasing. We talk about getting rid of our need for validation. She has, she's just a person who has a lot of wisdom and life experience. Um, she's vulnerable. She is very open. She's also really fun to be with on a dance floor. Anyway. This is my interview with Tiffany Reese. So Tiffany, you talk in your book about perfectionism and letting go of being perfect, which is a theme in my own book as well. Um, and I know my book was written, you know, it was written for any parent, but kind of specifically for moms, and your book was written for women. Do you think that perfectionism is more insidious for women? Does this feel like something that women are uniquely being challenged with? You know, I think society and our culture puts a lot of more pressure on women mm -hmm. um, than it does on men in a lot of ways. However, I think men deal with their own set of mm -hmm. challenges that I didn't necessarily recognize until I actually started reading some of Brené Brown's um, mm -hmm. work on shame and how yes. men how men are shamed. Yes. And I was able to empathize more with that struggle. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think that being seen as perfect for women is very much laid out for us in our society. Yes. It's like, if you want to figure out how to be perfect, you can go online and figure it out. And that yeah. looks like skinny and white and mm -hmm. college educated and has mm -hmm. it all together and hot husband with lots of money and mm -hmm. all of those things that you see people constantly chasing. And yeah. I've been guilty of it in the past. Oh, Yeah. But like you said, it's completely an inside job. It, it is. It's 100%. There's no amount of validation. And I've seen this through other influencers that I know that have millions and millions of followers, and they still haven't found that inner validation, you know, and I'm not judging their journey. I'm on my own yeah. journey. But I've heard them say, like, it's even with that much validation, I still have to do the work inside. I still have to do the work myself. Well, and I think... You and I, as bloggers, have had that in interesting peek behind the curtain at what I think is being presented to women as perfection, which mm -hmm. is a lot of these sort of lifestyle blogs, Instagram accounts where people look really perfect, right? Everything's polished. And as you said, they're, you know, skinny and taking photos on the beach in their bikini and, you know, or their home is perfect or what have you. And it's interesting to be in the industry and know how much behind the scenes some of these people that look really perfect are really hurting or struggling mm. with mood disorders or, you know, which I am too. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. Right. But, you know, um, 
I just think that there's such an illusion to perfection that it's so important that we don't buy because it is none of it's real. Like it's all fake. Mm -hmm. I talk about this with my kids a lot about social media because of the work that I do. My Mm -hmm. son, for example, he's always like, you're famous people. And I'm, and I get really grossed out by that. And I'm like, that's not true. Like it's just not. And second of all, it doesn't matter. Like what matters is that I'm actually a good mom and a good person. Like how many likes I get don't matter. How many followers I have don't matter. It does help me pay the bills and it does help support my work, but that doesn't make me a good person. And it's something that I want them to understand because I think perfectionism and social media, there is a lot of issues that can come from chasing that perfectionism Mm -hmm. and also chasing that, like you said, the highlight reel of other people. In your book, you talk about somebody who was staging um, their family photos for their blog in a... Um, in a model home. In a model home. That's real. Yeah. And I was like, wow, first of all, really smart. Could have avoided a lot of cleaning that way. Totally. <laughs> Second yeah, of all, She would just wow. go on a Saturday and take her kids and stage a bunch of photos in a perfectly clean house. I mean, it's kind of genius, to be honest. It's genius. But it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. real. Right. And, but then and how so we're sending people, that message out right. and they're saying, oh, but look at, look at Susie. She can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that means that I, and that's, and that's where the comparison comes in and yeah. all that. And so I think I've been pretty, I, I, I don't feel like I've, I've really chased that sort of perfection, um, trying to put that perfection out there. But mm-hmm. I do think I have been guilty of, wanting validation from outside people in the past about my feelings a lot. Mm -hmm. Like see me, see me, see my struggles, see my emotions, see my feelings. Uh And really that's something I can only give myself. Yeah. So I've tried to stop chasing it, still sharing my journey and still sharing what I feel like could help somebody else perhaps, Mm -hmm. or could start a conversation. But until I was able to really turn off the haters and the trolls and the caring and the comments from other people and focus on what I like and what I care about and what I think is good, things got a lot easier. Well, you, you mentioned there were a couple things in your book that really were like, Ooh, Um, but you mentioned like basically like being your own, like being your own boyfriend, being your own, you know, Like being your own validation, which is so important. And I think something that we're not, we're not really taught enough, you know, that, that our validation really has to come from ourselves. That if we need another person to validate us, we're in a constant state of need, right? Mm -hmm. Because, and then our, in psychology, we call this an external locus of control, which means I don't actually have any control of myself if I can't validate myself, I rely on everyone else. And that's a dangerous, dangerous proposition. Right. And it's also like if you water down your art, mm-hmm. for example, to like if you watered down your book to make it more like a you know, Rachel Hollis or whoever else is like out, that wouldn't be your book. Right. It, it would just be something similar to what her book is, but that's mm-hmm. not why people are buying your book. They're buying yeah. your, your book because they want you. And that was something I had to learn is yes. people are coming 
to my blog or yes. my podcast because they want that version of me or yeah. what I'm creating. That's what yes. they want. And that's what brought them there. So yes. why are you worried about trying to convince them to stay when they already like you and they already are relating to you or they wouldn't be here at all? It's so like, true. And I have find, and, and I, I feel like this is true of your platform as well. I have found that when I am my most vulnerable and imperfect, people people appreciate that the most. Yeah. Like that's really the content that, that people are like, Oh my gosh, thank you. Like I remember one time I did a, a home tour. I, and I think it was one of those days where I was just like fed up. I'm like, I'm so tired of people posting these fake photos of their clean house. And so I was like, I've got your home tour right here. (laughs) And I just took pictures. I went around and like took a picture of like, a pile in the corner or like the chair that had all the laundry on it. Like I just posted like, what does my house really look like? Like here's a bunch of papers that I need to go through that I just put the mail right here and I never go through it. And like, that was one of my most viral posts. So I think people do appreciate imperfection. Like it's, it's relatable and it's relieving, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're setting your ego aside uh-huh. and that's part of it. And that's so that's makes other people feel like they can be vulnerable with you Yeah, because you're not trying to come across like you have things more together than somebody yeah. else. You know, you're humanizing yeah. yourself and people relate to that. And I yeah. think it's important, especially online and especially to set a good example for our kids. Oh my gosh, totally. Okay, you said something in your book about perfection, perfectionism and procrastination. And this was like a, like, this was a, <laughs> Tiffany, you could have just called me <laughs> moment. You know, and you have a little segment that's called procrastination is perfectionism in sheep's clothing. Talk about that. I still struggle with this constantly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like I picture a blank canvas and what I imagine mm-hmm. an artist feels like before mm-hmm. they're about to start. And you don't want to start because what if you make a mistake? That's how I often feel when I am avoiding whatever it is that I need to be doing, um, whether that's writing or editing or um, or also avoiding things that are hard, conversations yes. that are hard. Totally. Um, things that I am feeling like, do I have the emotional stamina to put my ego aside today and be bad at this? Yeah. And sometimes that's really hard. Some days I really yeah. don't want to be bad at something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. And, and so... Um, Yeah, I think that a lot of times we avoid things because in our minds, we've created a situation that's harder than it actually is. Mm -hmm. Um, Or conversations will be harder than we think they're going to be. Oh, yeah. Or we assume the response of other people because we we assume that we know how they're going to respond or, or, you know, what we think their reaction is going to be, which is unfair as well. And so... Yeah, I've I have to force myself. Actually, my husband last weekend was just like, "You're avoiding your work. I'm just gonna say it to you once. If you want to go to IKEA, we can. But I'm just gonna let you know, totally, because I need that. Like, I need somebody who also who can help me be accountable. Totally. You said you were gonna get that done today, so Mm -hmm. you weren't gonna be stressed out all week. And I know you want to like lay here and do nothing, but just reminding you like gently. So that you are being, you know, aware of that. And I need oh that my gosh. sometimes. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I call, when I get in this circle and I, I totally struggle with this too, I call it 
creating insurmountable tasks. And they're not insurmountable tasks, but I put them in that category in my mind. And sometimes they're responding to an email that's a little bit confrontational or, you know, it's just like Mm. a, a thing that feels overwhelming that I just need to do. That would like, what are your rates? Yes. Oh, (laughs) you're like, I'm like, how many days can I avoid that? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Like, or, or, or an email that requires me to like pull together a bunch of information or something. And it's like, these are usually things that would take 10 minutes to do and they'll be on my mind and I just won't keep, won't, you know, I won't do them. And then it's like stressful. And if I would have just done it, I would feel a lot more peace. A hundred percent when we all do it. And I the know. thing is, is like, it's always worse than we think it's going to be. Always. And my brother-in-law once said to me, like, I try not to put off anything that takes less than five minutes. Yes. And I was like, so now I always think about that when I like walk past that thing on the ground that mm-hmm. I don't want to bend over and pick up because I'm like on my totally. way to the bathroom or something. I like guilt myself. I'm like, just do it, Tiffany. Totally. Stop thinking about it. But it's the same with work. It's like, I could just answer that email and then I would feel a lot better and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be taking up the brain space that I am to continually shame myself about the fact that I haven't done it. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't at the end of the day have to take it off a to-do list and write it on another one exactly. and then berate myself. I exactly. Like you could have done that today, but you didn't, did you? Oh, here's this action <laughs> item again. Not done. hundred percent. Yes. And then you, you know, you mentioned um, that tendency to, to, to then predict and fortune tell how other people are going to respond. And I really struggle with that too. And just the, that catastrophizing of like, oh, this is going to end badly. They're going to think poorly of me. That can really freeze me in my tracks, mm-hmm. like hardcore. Yeah. I, st- I'm a, I like to say I'm a recovering people pleaser, yeah. but I'm, it's something I have to actively work at. I, I mean, people pleasing, yeah, it, that's an active journey. That's, mm. not, that's not a like, I'm done now. You're right. <laughs> I'm done prioritizing everyone above myself. No, that's, um, that's an everyday wake up and try. Yes. But it really is like a hustle. And, and I I think again, ties into that perfectionism. And Mm. the truth of the matter is like some of the best relationships we have in our lives are the ones where we've had to have the hardest conversations. So true. Comfortable conversations, even the ones we have with ourselves. Yeah. And even with talking about difficult issues like getting into racism and things like that, it's easy to avoid reading that and to not look in the mirror. It's mm-hmm. easy for us to avoid researching emotional abuse or any mm-hmm. other like of these hard, difficult topics that we want to avoid because we know it'll make us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so something that I've also learned through therapy is get comfortable with being uncomfortable Yes, because my people pleasing side really comes out either whether I'm trying to please myself or Mm -hmm. others around Mm -hmm. me, like, let's make this okay. Let's make this not a thing and let's make everybody happy and no conflict and all this stuff. That's totally life. Like it's not life is full of hard conversations and unlearning and relearning and doing better Mm -hmm. and putting our ego aside and it's hard work, but it, I feel like the payoff is so much it, the reward and the relationships that we get out of it with ourselves and other people are well worth the quote hard work. I completely agree. But I will tell you, I think I, as a woman and then also as someone raised Christian, that idea of being comfortable with hard conversations or even you know, gentle confrontation. And I don't, I don't mean like we're walking around like, oh, mad all the time, but you know, just 
like stating facts that are unflattering or things like that. Like, I feel like we've been so socialized against that. Like, you know, we've been socialized to be winsome and to be, you know, breezy and, you know, I mean, small and quiet and And, polite. And if we're not, we have all kinds of gendered prone, you know, gendered words. We're bitchy. We're Mm -hmm. naggy. You know, I mean, those are words that we, that we assign to women. Yeah. Yeah. For for asserting ourselves or for speaking up. So, you know, for me, it's been a challenge too of like, you're saying my desire for everyone to be happy, but then also my desire to never, you know, I never want to seem like I'm bossy, which who, who cares? cares? Right. Right. Who cares? And why is that bad? Right. And there's so much, I think, I feel like just kind of programmed into us. I yes. I like to refer to it as like our hard drive, like our yes. inner hard drive. There's just so much like deleting of stuff we have to yes. continue to go through. And unfortunately, I I learned a lot about gender roles in the church that were incorrect yeah. when I was a part of it. And I think the church is changing and religion is changing. And there are a lot more um, people in the sector now than when I was in it that are speaking um, up against those things. My eye keeps watering because I have makeup on for the first time in like months, of course. And now it's like, what's happening? Poison. (laughs) Reject. Reject. What is this? (laughs) We've just been moisturizing. Um, But I think that, yeah, getting really comfortable. That's I, like I say, like be a bitch, be mm-hmm. bo- be bossy, be yep. nasty, whatever yeah. you, whatever it is you want to want to be. And I, I try to instill that in my daughter and my sons. Like yeah. women be whatever they want to be. Period. Yeah. Um, and I hope that I'm hopeful for our kids that yeah, it's going to be better. I think every generation wants that for their kids. But yeah, I really see it already in the, you know, my niece who's your kid's age mm-hmm. and my kids, they have a lot more emotional awareness yeah. and emotional intelligence totally. and have been raised with a lot more tools. Um, I think so too. To regulate those things. So I am hopeful. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I am too. My kids, I think, you know, they have words for things that I definitely didn't have at their age. I love when like a Gen Z comes into my DMs and tells me a term I don't know. Right. um, Or educates me. I'm like, yes, yes, more of this because I love that. It's so funny. My daughter who's 13 has a text thread with a bunch of friends and the name of the thread is toxic masculinity. (laughs) Your kids have always been amazing. I remember sitting at the Iris Awards and I think it's your youngest daughter was like, I have a swear jar on the table and anybody who is swearing... I'm just going to let you know, this is where the money goes. And I I was just like, she was not intimidated by sitting at a table of adults. And I was the same way when I was that age. I was just like, I preferred the presence of adults. (laughs) And now I prefer the presence of children. So I don't know what that is about, but yeah. She is a little adult. You know, she came on that trip to intern. Like she was (laughs) there in her blazer signing people up. She was just like another adult in the room. Like her personality. She was just like... She just belonged there. She kind of scares me, but you know, she's got, she's got all her philosophies. She's a little feminist, Black Lives Matter in her like LGBTQ ally group at school, you know? I love it. Like these are just not, these are not things that were on my mind at that age. At that age, I think I was like, mm, boys, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm still an idiot. I mean, honestly, <laughs> so I'm still really. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, she's like, we're at the point now where, you know, she's calling me out for things. <laughs> and I love that. It's like I, full circle. Like my, my daughter is like scary the same as me. And people comment on, on the time, like we look alike, we talk mm-hmm. alike. It's just like copy paste. She is her own person. She is a lot like my husband, but I can't remember what it was, but she was like, didn't you just tell us yesterday, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yep, you know what? You're right. And that's my opportunity as a yeah. parent to apologize to our kids, which I think is so oh my gosh. important. I have, I totally agree. I have, you know, peers who are like, my parents still to this day have never apologized to me for a single yeah. thing. Like they don't yes. believe that they can actually do anything wrong to their yeah. children because they're the parent. Yeah. It, even as adults. And I'm just yeah. like, I do not want... I feel like our kids learn mm-hmm. humility through us. I like, totally agree. It's a role-playing situation we have to continually show them. So although it's difficult when I get called out by my kids, it's also a really good opportunity for me to practice what I preach. Dude, completely. I, I so agree. And I think it is a really like corrective emotional experience when we've hurt our kids because we will. 100%. We will hurt our kids. Yeah. For us to then say, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that I did that. Like, that's so healing, you know, Mm -hmm. for us to just acknowledge where we've messed up. And as you said, it's also modeling. It's modeling that humility. It's modeling that you can say sorry, that, you know, we're not all walking around with these fragile egos that can't acknowledge if we've messed up. Yes. And I love you touched on that in your book. You were talking about like, yes, I don't want my kids to quote, care what people think, but I also want them to care about the impact they have on other people. And that is so true. And it's something that has to be taught a lot of the time. Like sometimes some people are naturally empathetic with having, um, my oldest son on the spectrum, something Mm -hmm. we focused on a lot when we were doing ABA, Mm -hmm. um, was, working on empathy of others mm-hmm. and just continually talking about our impact. And he's the most empathetic person I know. <laughs> and, I love it. And it taught me a lot too, just yeah. about highlighting and how important it is sometimes to just pause and say, but how is the other person feeling on the other end of this? Like I am yeah. crystal clear on my perspective, but mm-hmm. how could this possibly be coming across to the other side? And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of adults and <laughs> that still need to learn that. And it's so true. Like my daughter corrected somebody the other day on something. And then she said, you know, but I understand because I've made that mistake myself. <laughs> it's just like, I love yes, I loved it because I love that. She was like, she was making her needs known and being assertive, mm-hmm. but also acknowledging like, I get I it because so I'm human too. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I, I hope that we can all, you know, with our next generation, in addition to giving them that like self-esteem, like you're amazing, but also like, you're not that amazing. <laughs> right. Get a like, job, work. <laughs> yeah, but also like you're going to make mistakes and like, yes. you know, and you're not so amazing that you can't consider how you come off to other people. Right. You know, I only said get a job, work. Cause I'm just like, I think that I still struggle with being seen as instilling that productivity into my kids. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm realizing like, that's actually not that important. Um, <laughs> Well, it's actually more important that they're good people, but you know, well, responsibility is taught be, and, I, and accountability is taught. I just, I, I never want my kids to be like the spoiled kids either. And yeah. I don't know what that is inside of me, but I want them to appreciate everything they have. And that's like just oh, yeah. another core value that's so important to me yeah. um, because I listen, think sometimes we soften the blow too much for our kids. I agree. And listen, we need them to go out and work because we need them 
for them to go live their lives. Right. So we can have ours back. Right. <laughs> like there's a fine line sometimes I have to find between making them feel like you said, loved and amazing. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We can improve on this area and we're yeah. going to dig in. And yeah. just like anybody else, we all have things we're working yeah. on. And um, that is a form of love. I agree. I agree. And I have seen far too many kids whose parents don't feel that they can ever correct or, you know, mirror back to their kids um, or give honest feedback. And then those kids think that they are the shit. And then they grow up in a narcissist's, Mm -hmm. you know, a hundred percent. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm amazing. My mom told me every day. (laughs) Right. Or I've never never heard the word no, or, you know, or no one's ever said to me, yeah. yeah, No one's ever said to me, you're being an asshole. Right. Right. (laughs) I I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, if like more than three people think you're being an asshole, <laughs> like three people that you know, not not on the internet, right? But like right. three people in your inner circle think you're being an asshole, you are being you're an asshole. Chance to listen. <laughs> right. Like Right. Right. We're all I tell human. my kids that all the time. And I also tell them if all of your friends don't like your boyfriend, there's something wrong with your boyfriend. Amen. <laughs> tell them that all the time like, I'm just like, don't even waste your time, girl. Just <laughs> Stay single. Everyone else sees red flags. Oh my gosh. For real. Run. Run. Okay. Before we end, I want you to talk about your podcast because your podcast is amazing and it's very different from your book. Yes. Um, so my podcast is called something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a docu-series style podcast that focuses on emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, it often touches on relationships with narcissists mm-hmm. um, or others with personality disorders. Um, we talk a lot about trauma and um, overcoming emotional abuse and also educating others on the signs to look for those red flags and educating our youth in recognizing those red flags is really, really important to me. Yeah. And a huge motivator for me when I started the podcast was reaching like kids your age and my kids mm-hmm. when they're teens, yeah. when they're first starting out dating yeah. um, so that they can recognize what is healthy and what isn't healthy. Because a lot of times you've totally. never been in a relationship until you have one. And a lot of people experience the most abuse when they are unfortunately in their first re- totally. serious relationship. Yeah. So it's a critical time for them to understand, you know, what's okay and what's not okay. Absolutely. I love it. And you you present it in such a, I mean, it's, it's entertaining the way that you present yeah. it. It's like psychoeducation, but it's like, surprise. It's also storytelling, you know, like you've, you've done it in such an interesting, engaging way oh, that, thank you. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, I should have my daughter listen to it because I listened to it, but I didn't, I didn't think that through for her, but it would like, it is it's, it's interesting enough that it would capture a young person's attention, but then teach them these things to look for, which is so important. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's been really the most rewarding part for me has been hearing from um, those who have said, I listened and I realized I was in an abusive relationship yeah. and I've left. I bet you um, get a lot of that. Yeah, and it's just incredible. Um, That's really rewarding. It is really rewarding yeah. and it's one of those things that makes me grateful for the struggle I've had in the path that's left yeah. me yeah. where I am because yep. I couldn't have the same empathy that I have or the same passion and motivation in this arena if I didn't have my own experience. No. Um, and so I think it's like finding gratitude in the really gross, gritty stuff yeah. too. 
Totally. And I appreciate that about all your work. I feel like your your own personal process and the hard work that you've done and the hardship you've been through is, you know, you've, you've taken all of it and you've really, I, I feel like you've taken all of that and turned it into like helping others. Yeah. Well, thank you. In your podcast. I think it heals us. And I think, it does, yeah. some, I mean, I'm sure you understand this, especially as a therapist, um, is that um, validation that you get in like support groups was huge yes. for me. I attended Al-Anon when I was mm-hmm. a younger person before I had kids. And that was so eye-opening and validating. Oh, for yeah. And so I want the podcast to kind of provide that sort of mm-hmm. virtually for people where they can listen to other people's stories and be like, I was not crazy, even mm-hmm. though my abuser told me I was crazy mm-hmm. every single day. And mm-hmm. this is valid. And totally. Um, yeah. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So good. All right. Where can people find you online? So people can follow me on Instagram at lookieboo, L-O-O-K-I-E-B-O-O. And there's links there to everything else. So yeah, I'll just give that and keep it simple. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.